Episode 15, Custer's Dumbbell. I'm Merle Riedel, and you're listening to a November 8th, 2006 podcast from the Kansas State Historical Society. In this bi-weekly podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. This week, Laura Van Orsdell, curator of the Kansas Museum of History, discusses a piece of workout equipment used by General George Armstrong Custer. She'll tell us why Custer was arrested for stealing government property and how spirited Fort Hayes soldiers adapted to the monotonous life of a frontier fort. curator at the Kansas Museum of History. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about this dumbbell, um, which is kind of a rough-shaped uh, metal-looking dumbbell um, <laughs> that is claimed to uh, belong to Custer. Um, what makes you think that uh, Custer owned this dumbbell? Well, um, actually, this dumbbell we believe was owned by Custer. Um, in museum collections, we oftentimes have artifacts that we are very certain that they belong to someone. Mm-hmm. For instance, we have a pair of boots that belong to Custer, and we are quite certain those actually did belong to him because they were donated by his wife, Elizabeth. Um, with the dumbbell, it comes to us in a, a little bit, not quite as direct a route, um, but fairly certain that it actually was at least at Fort Hayes when Custer was there. Um, it's hand-forged. Uh, it is very heavy, in fact. Not that, that has anything to do with Custer, but um, it was supposedly made by a blacksmith there at Fort Hayes, and Custer used it while he was at Fort, Hay- Fort Hayes, and he was in Fort Hayes quite often between 1867 and 1871. Mm-hmm. And then the dumbbell remained at the fort until it closed in 1889 when it was given by a, the fort commander to August Shute, who was... The fif- dumbbell was given? The dumbbell was, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and it was, August Shute was about 15 at the time. His father was a friend of the post commander and um, August was told at that time by the post commander that it was Custer's dumbbell and he held on to it for a long time and later uh, he met the blacksmith who had made it and the Mm -hmm. blacksmith told him that he had made it for Custer. Mm -hmm. Uh, He eventually donated it to the Sternberg Museum in Fort, not in Fort Hayes, in Hayes Mm -hmm. itself and then um, we acquired it from the Sternberg Museum. Didn't really fit their collection. Doesn't really have anything to do with dinosaurs. No. Um, What's the dumbbell made of? Well, it's made of metal, we think bronze, and it's actually very heavy. It's about 25 pounds. As a dumbbell should be. Yeah, apparently Custer was really into working out. (laughs) Quite strong. Or he just used it as a tent flap, we're not sure. (laughs) Tent flap, wait. Uh, what was George? Uh, what was Custer doing in Hayes? Um, I thought he was only in Fort Riley and, and did a little hanging out in the Dakota Territories. <laughs> well, actually, Custer spent a lot of time roaming around Kansas. And uh, when he came, the Seventh was a new regiment. Um, after the Civil War, they the military had a couple problems. One, they had all these soldiers left over from the Civil War who mm-hmm. had been trained and no longer had anything to do. Two, they also ha- were starting to focus more on Western expansion, and they had. Um, there were some issues as far as uh, Native Americans weren't very happy about all of uh, the travelers and the railroads going through their land, and so the government was trying to figure out how to um, settle 
you know, issues on the frontier for people who are moving west. And so Custer was sent out with the 7th. He did get a commission as a lieutenant colonel. Even though he'd been a general during the uh, Civil War, he was given the rank of lieutenant colonel after because there were too many generals to go around. Okay. So um, he received the lieutenant colonel rank, although he was still referred to as general because he achieved that status. Uh, anyway, he came out to Fort Riley. The 7th was based in Fort Riley until 71, 1871, and he actually didn't spend a whole lot of time in the forts. He was out mostly um, moving along the plains. In fact, the first summer he was out, 1867, he traveled from um, Fort Riley. He went through Fort Hayes. Uh, he was up into Nebraska, and he even made it over into Colorado near um, Fort Morgan and back, and that was just in from April to July. So. So he, was, he got around. Yeah. Well, their, their job was to uh, make contact with different tribes and kind of uh, go where there, was, mm -hmm. there were, was conflict. Custer has been described as uh, very flamboyant, very arrogant, <laughs> uh, yet he was the youngest officer to be promoted to general during the Civil War, mm -hmm. which means he, uh, he must have been doing something right. What do you think the real Custer was like? Oh, well, uh, that's, that's a, an easy question. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's really hard to know. He's a very enigmatic person. Um, I think a lot of people either loved Custer or hated Custer, and we get a lot of differing accounts of him from his contemporaries. Uh, also, it's very interesting to read what he wrote about himself. Um, he did write an autobiography about his life on the plains called My Life on the Plains. And, you know, he had people, other officers who didn't really care for him so much, calling that My Lie on the planes. Mm, so yes. uh, I think he was probably, I think, flamboyant. Um, I think he definitely liked to put on a show. Um, he liked to dress well. I think that he liked to have fun, too. He was well known for his pranks at West Point before uh, the Civil War. Um, I think that... It, I don't know. I think he, he would have been a very charming person. Mm -hmm. He could have been very charming unless he found him annoying, and then he probably was very annoying. So, right. Uh, but, yeah, it's hard to tell. His image has certainly changed over time, too. Um, sure, so. sure. And, you know, some would say that that image is sort of engineered, which leads me to my next, next question. Mm -hmm. um, Custer's wife, Elizabeth, uh, she traveled with him always on the frontier. Mm -hmm. um, do you think... Her prolific writing, because she wrote a lot about him after mm -hmm. after his death. Do you think that that helped create the romanticized image of Custer that we have today? Definitely. Yeah. I think she had a lot to do with it. Um, Custer. A lot of people say Custer really wouldn't have been all that well remembered if it hadn't been for the little bighorn when he died in 1876. But Elizabeth um, really, you know, she made sure that people knew who he was and, and told his story and told it in the way she wanted it to be told. Not only did she write about it, but she also gave lectures. She wrote you know, newspaper articles. Um, she was out there making, you know, letting people know who her husband was and really, you know, encouraging people to think well of him. Mm -hmm. um, she, which isn't surprising considering that she was only 34 when she was widowed and she had no children either by choice or because they couldn't. Um, she remained childless. So she, and she lived for another 52 years. So um, she really, her bread and butter was not only George Custer while she was alive, but also George Custer after he was dead. Right. Um, so you she, said because you were telling me earlier that mm -hmm. um, her father died, and yes. so she didn't have she really didn't have a parental unit, and she mm -hmm. really was on her own. Really, and, yes, she and was. he was her livelihood mm -hmm. even after he was gone. Mm -hmm. yeah, she definitely had an interest in make, promoting him and making him mm -hmm. um, seen in a positive light. Um, so life on the plains for people like Custer or like mm -hmm. uh, like George and his wife. Um, physical exercise was one way to pass the time on a plains fort, which could be pretty boring. What are some of the other 
spiritually enlightening activities <laughs> soldiers were known to partake on the frontier fort. <laughs> well, I don't know if all of them were spiritually enlightening, although I guess it depends on your definition of spiritual. Um, or just spirits. <laughs> yes, spirits. Yes, that would definitely be one of them. Um, you know, they could have done the regular activities. They often were doing building um, constructing buildings on the fort, digging mm -hmm. latrines, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, they also, Custer talks about organizing um, bison hunts out to break the monotony, especially in 1867, they got stuck at Fort Hayes because there weren't enough supplies. And so while they were hanging out, you know, he said it got really boring. And so um, he organized a lot of bison hunts, but that was more for the officers and their wives because the women did participate in those. Not so much for the enlisted. The women participated in the bison yes, hunt? Yes, they did. In fact, wow. uh, yes, yes, they did quite often. I don't know if they how uh, much they participated, but they went along, mm -hmm. rode along. Um, so, what was the average soldier doing? Uh, well, he could talk with his friends. He oh, could hang out with his time. friends. <laughs> yeah, sounds like fun. Um, they could read. They could write letters home or um, write diaries. We have some. We have actually a diary of a gentleman named David Spots who was not with Custer's unit, but with another unit, um, the 19th Kansas Volunteers, that actually only existed for a few months. Hmm. And they did spend some time with the 7th, and he talks about Custer in his diary, but uh, he talks a lot about um, his friends going and getting alcohol in Hayes City <gasps> when they're camped outside of Hayes. He doesn't alcohol in Hayes? Did. Yes. <laughs> wow. I know. It's hard to believe, hard to believe. But, you know, Hayes was on the railroad, and so they had access to not only alcohol, but there were um, saloons which provided perhaps prostitutes. Uh-oh. So that was another activity you could do if you were in the fort and had access to that and apparently money to pay for that. I don't know. Um, there was also gambling. The gamblers, of course, came to take the soldiers' money, and they sometimes gambled themselves within, maybe even when they weren't at the forts close mm -hmm. to the railroad, they could uh, they could have horse races and gamble on those. Um, and Spots mentions that as well, that some of his friends... They didn't gamble, but they did bet on horse races. So I'm not sure how that's not gambling. <laughs> definition of gambling is different. Um, but there were there were lots of ways to keep busy. There was also, um, you could attend a church service most of the time. Fort Hayes had a chaplain, although it tended to be officers and their families. Sure, respectability. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, they also um, had a... Hayes for a while had a school that enlisted men could attend because there were a lot of people who either were illiterate or were immigrants, recent immigrants, and so they could get a, you know, learn to read, write, and arithmetic. And, you know, if all else fails, you could also desert. Yeah, well, that's a fun pastime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was drinking, gambling, prostitution, mm -hmm. desertion, or you could go to school. <gasps> exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like a good time, huh? It's <laughs> great. Do you think um, Custer was working out? you think he was using this dumbbell to work out, to break the monotony? Or was he just trying to impress Elizabeth? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think maybe more to impress Elizabeth. Yeah? Um, you know, it, it's very interesting. They are often considered to be a very romantic couple and a very, uh, you know, they were so in love. And there's stories that maybe they weren't, you know, maybe Custer had a wondering eye or maybe Elizabeth did too. Mm -hmm. um, there's also, I think they were very close. In fact, um, Custer actually got court-martialed for going to visit Elizabeth at one point in time, although he claimed that he wasn't going just to see her. But um, he, at the end of 1867, he was in um, near in Fort Wallace. He ended up in Fort Wallace, which is way western Kansas. Mm -hmm. And he ended up taking some of his men and 
and forcing them to march from Fort Wallace to Fort Riley, where Elizabeth was at. That's well, actually, they didn't ways. go all the way to Fort Riley. He, he boarded a train and, and got to Fort Riley in the end. But they, they did 150 miles in 55 hours, um, so they weren't wow. really stopping much. And he actually was arrested after that and court-martialed for being AWOL. Um, he was also charged with conduct to the prejudice of good order and military discipline, wow. which um, That's a rough sounds charge. tough. Yeah. Um, basically, he was using horses and government equipment for private business. So, And this was all to go see Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. Yes. There is some of his biographers have claimed that it might might have been because he was suspected her of having a wandering eye and he needed to go check up on her. Um, or maybe he just wanted to go see her. He was really desperate to go see his wife for mm-hmm. whatever reason. I don't know. But. Um, finally, uh, this fine piece of workout equipment, I just <laughs> want to ask, um, if you think Custer was alive today, I'm sorry, if Custer was alive today, do you think he would have been sucked into buying a Bowflex? <laughs> I think there's a good chance he might have been. Yeah. yeah, I think he might have also liked a Stairmaster and yeah. a Nordic Track. Man, um, that guy is physical. I could see him with an ab roll or two and perhaps a DVD of Buns of Steel. Although all of that equipment is very difficult to throw on the back of a horse, so perhaps he just would have carried around the DVD. Wow, okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Laura, for uh, telling us about Custer's Dumbo. Sure. That concludes episode 15, Custer's Dumbbell. Check us out in two weeks when the museum's assistant director, Rebecca Martin, and I discuss a collection of shady medical equipment. She'll explain why some devices are more likely to light your bed on fire than cure an ailment. If you'd like to provide some feedback on our podcast, you can access a survey on our website, kshs.org, from either the Cool Things page or the podcast page. Finally... What kind of hobby bloodies fingers and causes one to go cross-eyed? Quilting, but only if you're good at it. Check out Piecing It Together, Selected Quilts from the Museum, on exhibit at the Kansas Museum of History until February 2007. This podcast is a production of the Kansas State Historical Society.